but also have some control over it. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to look at the rest of the world and think, why do they get it and, and I didn't. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mentors. Today we have on Johnny Zuback, a founder and coach for The Art of Charm. In this episode, we'll be talking about both the stories of Art of Charm and Johnny. Then we'll dive into personal development, depression, happiness, what you put your value into, going from awkward to fluent, why we have awkwardness in the first place, and how to become fluent, the strengths and weaknesses of Generation Z and Millennials, the benefits of vulnerability, taking a look at the friend circle we made, how to clean it up or upgrade it, and seeing the victories of your own personal growth. Also, to know I added a little something extra to this podcast, please let me know what you think of it, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mentors. Today, we have on John Zuback. John, thank you so much for being on. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. So first things first, I wanted to start about um, with the origins and the evolution of Art of Charm, because I am so fascinated with um, where it started to where it is now. Well, sure. Um, you know, we had started in, well, about, a, we're looking at about 12 years ago now, and it was kind of brought, it, it had its origins in the, the pickup community. And reason being because Jordan, AJ, and I really didn't like what we were seeing from that community. And, and actually, not only did we not like what we saw, we felt that there was a lot of bad ideas. So we wanted to put something together that, that resonated with us and that also that we could feel good about. And then also that other people would could rally behind as a, an opportunity to not only get better in our personal relationships, but to get better uh, and have an opportunity to better themselves. And then so, you started off as, I'm going to guess, just a podcast, but then after that, you expanded so, so far. Well, yeah. So AJ and Jordan started the podcast back in Ann Arbor as, an opera, as a way to just like, you know, have some drinks and talk about what guys are going to talk about. And at the time, podcasting was this new thing. And AJ and Jordan both were, you know, they were very into technology so they were like oh this is cool so let's record our conversation they put it out and they had done a few of them and and because it was such a brand new medium uh, uh it it got promoted and it was one of the original sort of podcasts and it got some attraction because there, there wasn't it wasn't it wasn't an oversaturated market there wasn't very much stuff to listen to especially for a guy, and it was pinpointed just for guy conversation. And it got some traction, and, and what had happened was that some of the listeners started asking them if there were personal developed courses or uh, any uh, pickup courses or, or whatever that was just, that they enjoyed, that they uh, should, they, that they could refer people to. Now, upon getting those questions, they didn't know anything. So what they did was they started taking different sort of development courses. And it just so happens that I uh, was working for a development company. It was a small company at the time. And they had come to review it to see if it was something that they could send 
their listeners listeners to. What had happened on that is they didn't really much like the the course itself, but they really enjoyed the work that I was doing and had asked me, you know, if I was to be able to build my own course, on the course, what would it like? And so we had some conversations about it. And it was through those conversations that uh, AJ had asked me a few weeks later to go ahead and move to New York and start this company with him and Jordan. And then so begins the birth. That's so, I love that. And, you know, to see um, something just like a conversation grow into, well, even off recording, if you want to call it that, we were talking about how you guys are going to be, you just got, you were just in Miami and you're going to be going to Iceland all for, um, all for meetups or no, you call them master, masterminds. Yeah. It's an opportunity for, for like-minded individuals to get together. And you basically it's like a, it's a group thing. So people with, who want to work on certain aspects of their lives have an opportunity to bring it to the group and ask for their, um, how they would go about it. And the only way that you're able to answer that question is through your own experiences. So if you, if you can't answer it like, oh, well, I've read this book or I heard from my friend, you personally have to have lived through this experience and you can offer your experience through that. And it's a, it's a, it's a way for, uh, for people to get some hard questions answered. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's no, a, I love that. Yeah, they there's in in certain entrepreneurial circle, uh, circles, they're, they're very uh, it's a very prominent thing. So we like the idea, and we brought it to the Art of Charm. So the people who go on these events are our clients who've been with us for a year, and it's an opportunity for us to see these people a year later, six years later, twelve years later, and and just you know interact see what people's lives are and of course uh get together and elevate each other do you think from being able to meet your clients over and over again uh and you got to know them and see them grow do you have any favorite uh success stories or growth stories oh wow i mean over the the decade of course there's so many and uh, i mean it's just Guys meet, start companies together, uh, you know, get married, have families. Uh, it's 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 all across the board and, and and success. But you know, for me, it just I, I just love seeing people have control over their lives and doing things that allow them to be happy. And it's funny you were mentioning about how that you've kind of seen. Uh, men being attacked or men being put down or not allowed to be men in today's world. And with all that, you know, it's easy, especially for, and for just young people in general. Um, if you feel disconnected, if you feel lost, it's easy to slip into depression. And, and uh, you know, when I, and, for people to be able to hold on to something and hold something dear to themselves and I, I, and, and have that belonging, I, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. And seeing people do things that they've always wanted to and be happy. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason I've gotten into this. And in fact, I mean, I was doing that for myself in my later 20s. I, 
um, for my my the previous my career, I was I was a musician and performer, and I, I still am. But the Art of Charm is, is 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 the company I started with AJ and Jordan. That's my main gig now. But you know, when I was in my going into my late twenties, the music industry was starting to collapse in on itself, and and I and and I. And this is something that I spent my entire life and my entire being was always about music. And I love music. And it was, you could say it was my religion. And <laughs> when that, when that got, at least I felt that it had been taken away from me because there was, it, it's now more electronic, but also that the tech industry had changed the record industry. And so the idea of getting a, a decent little record deal and going out on the road, like that dream is so much more difficult uh, now. And I just, I was staring into my future and I just decided like, well, I'm going to get myself fixed up first. To borrow Jordan Peterson quote, I'm going to sort myself out. And that was the road that I was on. And so I got in self-development to fix myself try to get some direction and figure out what I was going to do next. I kind of have an obsessive personality about things. So of course, when I found self-development and what's interesting about it is like, I've always heard about self-development and it has a, it has a stigma to it where it doesn't, it's not something that people, uh, I just think they, well, there's a stigma to it and it's looked down upon from a lot of people. And so I never ventured into it before, but uh, to get to sort out myself, I implemented a few ideas that I had gotten from self-development and saw within weeks, my life completely transformed. And so for me, it was like, well, if I implemented a few ideas and it made my life incredibly much better from that implementation, well then what happens if I, uh, put implement of uh, more ideas, right? So, so for me, it was like, well, I'm going to go all in. And from that, I mean, being able to, from going to bed angry and upset and frustrated and maybe on the verge of depression, now I'm going to bed laughing and carrying on and excited for the next day. And it was through self-development and through sorting myself out that I was able to uh, to allow those things to happen. And so for me, it was like, well. I can't believe what a dark place that I had found myself in. And if I could help anyone avoid that, that dark place or navigate them through that, then, well, that makes me happy. And that's what I want to spend the rest of my time doing. I mean, even today, I mean, at the Art of Charm House, uh, all we've been doing is uh, cutting podcasts and, and shooting for the new YouTube channel that we'll be uh, launching here in the next week. That's incredible. And, you know, I have such a soft spot in my heart for, again, it's it's weird to call it self-help or, you know, self-development. Yeah. And it does have that bad stigma because it's like, well, obviously there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with all of us, <laughs> you know? Yes, absolutely. And and, and everyone, it's, it's, you're just, you're not born perfect. In fact, you're, you're born incredibly flawed and your development is, is, is based on so many ifs. And, you know, if you're born into a home with two loving parents, if you're born into a home um, that that is uh, outside of that is 
flourishing. If you're born into a first world country, if you're born, like there's a lot of ifs. And those ifs, even all those ifs coming together still doesn't make you a, a you're still a flawed person. So there's plenty of, of stuff to work on. And then not only that, uh, you're as uh, the older you get, the, the more habits that you started to build for yourself and not all those habits are healthy and thought processes that you've picked up and view the world in, those are built through a lot of experience and not, and not only those, and those are not uh, perfect either and need refining as you get older. Uh, and of course, as you get older, uh, your metabolism slows down and your body changes. And, you, and, if, and if you don't want to fall into depression, then you need to be working out and eating healthily. It's, I mean, there's, there's so much going on with it. And, and it was, as I mentioned, when I made a few changes in my life and saw how infinitely better it became, I was like, well, I want more of that. So of course now I, I wake up early in the morning, fired up to, for the day to begin and running to the gym. And, and I never in my twenties would ever have thought myself as a morning person, but <laughs> when you're, when you're waking up from to a full day of of amazing, amazing things happening. Well, yeah, you can easily turn into a morning person. But if you're dreading waking up the next day, well, no, you don't want to get out of bed. Yeah, well, what am I, like, my question to you is, is what were those messages, those epiphany moments that really resonated with you that made you into the person you are today? Well, I, there's one, AJ and I were just talking about this, that I had spent my entire life thinking that happiness was something that I had to achieve and mm -hmm. that I would and there would be things that I would have to achieve in my life in order for myself to be happy and 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 what happened when you have you view it in that manner it's like a ladder it's like well I got this step and the wall I need the next step and then I need the next step it's, um Russ Harris dubbed it um the the happiness trap and and what I had found out was I didn't need to be anything. I didn't really, I didn't need to achieve anything to be happy. I could just decide that I'm going to be happy. Now that's a silly little thing, but it, that idea completely changed my view of myself and how how I was going to go about going on about my day, and 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 choosing to be happy. Uh, through appreciation and, and through understanding that of, of, of all the ifs and the, the aces that I've been dealt in order to play this card game of life. I vibe with that so much. <laughs> I won't lie. Like that's when, once you decide to be happy, because again, I think a lot of kids, a lot of Generation Z has that mentality too. Like, um, <clears throat> emotion is anything you define it, right? Yeah. Uh, I was reading up, there's a culture that doesn't have a word for sad. And if they are quote unquote sad, they're not sad. They don't feel well. Like that's it. And, yeah. so, and I think we have this culture of, you know, well, happiness is some state of God-given bliss. And if I'm not there, then I'm miserable. But yeah. it's, I, I think when, oh my gosh, but uh, yeah. it's bad that no and one then, gets it. 
or not a lot of people get it? Well, it's it's something that it's, I don't. It's just, it's well, certainly you don't learn it in school. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, I grew up in a blue collar working class family. My dad was a factory worker. My mom was a hairdresser. I've never had a normal head of hair in my entire life. Always had some goofy ass <laughs> cut. But um, <laughs> and, and, but growing up in that, like my dad was perpetually pissed off because he worked in a factory for like ten hours a day, and. And my mom was the arty one in the house, probably where I got that from. But, you know, they, if if I was to express myself in my household, my dad would say things like, listen, if you want to talk like that, talk like that around your mother. I just spent 10 hours in a factory. Like, I don't want to hear it. And so it was always like, fuck up. But it was, but it was never explained to me as this choice to be happy or not. It was, oh, you're upset? Well, deal with it. Life's not fair. Well, and and not to say that my, my parents were terrible people. They were, it was a very, as, as happy as you're going to have blue-collar upbringing. I, you know, it's, um, I, they encouraged me to do sports and fun things. And, and it, it was, it was I, uh, I, I thought it was, it was fine. But th- th- you're, you have to understand your family's background and, your family can only instill certain attributes in you that they want to focus on as a family unit. Like some families will focus on academics. Mm-hmm. Some families will focus on you know, expression and art, which was my family. That's probably why I gravitated towards music. Some families will gravitate towards sports. Like, but those are going to be the main priorities of that family. And you can imagine that other things are gonna have to fall by the wayside because we wanna instill these certain things. You know, like in my household, if I, there's households that if you would come home with an A minus, your parents would be upset because they knew you could get an A plus. Had I come home with an A minus, my parents would have been throwing parties for me. We would be would be going to have a fancy dinner with grandma at the Sizzler. like. My family didn't focus on academics. My family focused on expression and music and art. And they supported me playing sports and things, but um, it wasn't what my parents pushed me towards. And, you know, there's always a benefit of each. Like, a sp- expression Absolutely. is amazing. And academics, in okay, in my mind, academics, to a point, is really good. Like, if you want to go into the STEM fields, keep pushing it you know academics are your friend but otherwise like expression in sports or at least being physically fit comes so much in handy and you know families really influence who you are again I was talking to someone about this today like I am a lot I'm I'm a lot like my dad (laughs) I hate to admit it but I'm all like my dad and it's not a bad thing but you know once you live in an environment um, you become super really familiar with it and you believe that it's right. And so some people, like you could have easily been the kid to say, you know, I should have dealt with it. Like if I wasn't happy, then fine. You could have grown up like that. But you know, yeah. you've identified, you identified that I don't think this is right. Um, and you, you adapted and you changed. Yeah. And, I mean, if you, if you think about it, like I, when I look back upon my childhood, I, there was, I knew families that didn't focus on sports or fit and, and who were all obese. And you don't never, you never want to see a 15 year old kid who's obese. That is a very sad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, I there was families like that, but they they focused on, you know, uh, comfort food. I mean, but it was prevalent in their family. It's like you're when you're dealing with with certain cultures and certain things are prominent in a, in a as I said, a household. The other things go by the wayside. For myself, you know, I didn't get into reading as much as I do now until I got into my 20s because once again there wasn't books around the house we watched television but I was always if for for my house it was always about music and playing guitar there was always instruments in the house and my dad performed and and so it was that's where they 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 pushed me what I've loved now looking back on it what I've loved if I had more books in my house and been encouraged to read more Sure, and I would have been, and, and I'm, and it would have influenced me in other ways. And I'm not, I can't be upset about those things. I have to be excited for the, for the way I was raised and the things I did get out of it. But then, you know, being able to later in life instill some habits and in, in learning and reading. These are things that how you've grown up doesn't you? It's not like you can't change them. Um, and you want to be a more well-rounded person as you get older. Oh, definitely. And, you know, speaking of like growing and developing and being well-rounded, how do you, because again, you start off with a lot of people coming to you, a lot of clients saying, most likely like, I'm awkward. I don't know how to do this or that. <laughs> how do you develop an awkward person to a very like, in my terms, fluent, you know, very, they can, they can do it all. Well, I think the first thing is about it's about getting comfortable being awkward like owning it it's okay and you know this is what's interesting speaking with you Ava uh being the young person that you are is we're now moving into several generations where tech technology is prevalent in every aspect of your life I'm the I'm generation x so the last generation between uh, having this technology and not having this technology. And I'm seeing younger and younger people come in who have been involved with technology and been able to use it as a as bubble wrap, as like a way to avoid the world world coming into their adult life. And so, and, and, and this is not when for myself, for my generation, that's the rare thing. It's yeah. not rare anymore. It's it's now more and more prevalent. And it's funny because I'll have people who come in who feel like they're broken because they didn't adequately learn these these things as children because of just how they grew up. Well, I have the, the news is you're not the exception. You're now the rule. Uh, and and uh, and but. And it's, it's not your fault that you didn't learn these things. Most people are not learning them now. And so it's like, you can go ahead and embrace being a bit awkward. And that's where it's, we're going to have some fun now trying to put some new tools together so that you can eventually get more fluent and socializing. And, but also have some control over it. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to look at the rest of the world and think, why do they get it and, and I didn't. And that's, and, and that's when you feel stuck like that, when you feel displaced or disconnected from the, the rest of the world, that's, you know, that's when 
things such as depression and self-harm can find its way towards you because uh, abuse happens in, in, when you're alone. Abuse happens in isolation. And abuse, we're not talking about other people abusing you. Of course, they're going to isolate you to be able to do that. But you're going to abuse yourself when you're in isolation. Oh, definitely. And like, and you know, the sad thing is, is I can't really blame some of these kids because like social, like, um, sorry, so socialization is tough, Espe like, especially in middle school, which is yeah. prime time to develop social skills. That's what you're supposed to do. That's why it's sucky. Like a lot of kids <laughs> instead of turning to a friend or turning to like a teacher or at least their own parents, they, they go, well, you know what? I feel weird sitting by people I don't know. I want to be on my phone. Good. That'll distract yeah. me. I don't have to go through this. But like like you said, when you develop and you become a high schooler and then now you're in your 20s and 30s, you obviously then you start to realize, wait, I'm not connected with the world. All of my friendships are shallow. Why don't I know how to talk to people? Why don't I, you know, why don't I connect with people really well? Why do I feel so anxious all the time? Like it's, we set, I feel like we got, um, not my generation, Generation Z in general, I feel like people who were born into with a lot of technology, like got dealt not too good of a hand. But, you know, once you understand that, you know, this is what's happening, you can break out relatively, not easy, but it's highly doable. It's definitely doable, and it, but it's going to take work and it's going to take and any sort of any time that there's a learning curve, there's going to be a lot of failure going with it. But you don't have to look at it as failure. You can look at it as it, this is me going through the growing pains of working this thing out. And what what we tried to do at Art of Charm is to make this the learning process in something that a lot of well, as, as I was mentioned, a lot of people feel that they're broken or. Oh, well, if I had a proper upbringing, I wouldn't have to go to Yard of Charm. That's not the case at all, but some people feel that way. But so to make something that they feel a little bit ashamed about, not only uh, acceptable, but it, it can actually be a fun process if you're put in the right environment to, to grow. Oh when my gosh, have, totally. And when you have support and encouragement in the right, in the right ways, this thing that's a bit awkward is now a badge of courage. Yes, I'm. You know, I can now have a bit of control. I'm now finding myself working through it. And granted, so the art of charm. I mean, it is now a. It's, we've grown out of the pickup community, and now it's mostly on social skills and belief restructuring. And we went from like, you know our clientele is. Of course, we have the, the engineers and the computer science guys and the software developers, but we're also dealing with, uh, on the other side, we're dealing with special forces from every armed service uh, that uh, from multiple countries. And, and what we're finding is these men have learned hard skills in combat. Once they've transitioned into a more political role in their later years of their, their careers, they have to soften the combat skills and now trade them for soft skills that where the old skills allow them to survive on the battlefield these new skills allow them to survive in the boardroom 
you know, the funny thing is, is I was just talking to, like, I was, an hour before we had, like, we got on the podcast, I was talking to someone who's formerly in the military. That is hilarious. And he was telling me about, like, his, about developing combat skills. Um, And a little bit about, like, you know, making that transition back into um, society and how he did that through writing. But he's always been a writer. That's, that's always, ah. And also, I really resonate with the engineers and the tech kids. I'm in the innovation class. There's a good amount of those kind of kids. I love them to death. I love them to death. But they are, they, they, they do have the, they don't have the social skills that some other people do, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, and I, because we're human beings and we're, we are social animals and we, we need to be able to bond in order to survive. There is an, an innate self-talk that when we don't have any skills that, that I, that I am broken or, um, well, it, it's back to what we were saying that, you know, these are things that you not having these these skills is becoming the more the new normal which is i just find funny you know like my dad was out here visiting in los angeles it's a it's a, it's a ridiculously large city my dad i grew up in a very small town my dad speaks to everybody in the neighborhood so when he was out here visiting me he would just somebody on the sidewalk and my dad would just start talking to him and he would get weird looks he's like what does people talk to each other out here I'm like, Dad, this is a, this is a city of Saint, our tiny little home. But I was laughing because not only did he feel that Los Angeles was a bit cold, he you're, he's now dealing with people who would rather be on their phones than, than have this conversation. That conversation that he might have been having with somebody in Los Angeles 20 years ago would have been much different than that conversation now. Oh, oh definitely. And, you know... Um... I also really wanted to talk to you about, obviously, that is a weakness of my generation, Generation Z, and millennials, too. Um, what are some well, weaknesses and what are some strengths that you see in um, kids these days? <laughs> well, well, Ava, you know, it's, it's funny. I was going to give you, I was going to give you my perspective on this. So, uh, I don't... For most of the clients that come through AOC are usually uh, millennials. Uh, I'm just now starting to see Generation Z come through uh, mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. But what I'm being told is that Generation Z is now more conservative than the millennials and also is looking to put um, these the social networks away. Now, I, I don't know if that is fact or not. These are the things that I'm hearing as somebody who's looking at uh, these other generations. Um, so it's funny because I, I feel like the millennials had everything handed to them and they just did rather just hang out on Instagram where <laughs> Generation Z is coming up like, hey, get out of our way. We're going to fix everything that you guys had fucked up. no i you know what the more articles because like i've because again this podcast is for generation z because i still do see a lot of kids like like dear god you know we ate tide pods if that doesn't say anything like (laughs) you know but to put two tight but again to the credit of tide pods they're really squishy and like you just want to bite into it but you don't want to eat it but you just want to bite into it so i resonate so i understand (laughs) <laughs> you don't eat Tide Pods, but still, 
<laughs> you gotta listen. They're not. They don't look so much different from the Halloween candy I used to get from the the Asian kids' parents on the on the street. <laughs> See exactly. You gotta you gotta try it at least. You know, don't die, <laughs> but just ah. But you know, so again, you know, you have the you have the stupidity, yeah. But there's also a group of Gen Z, like heck. I would I want to consider myself part of that group, the innovation class, and then some other amazing people that I've met through talking. And these are the kids who want to say, "Yeah, we're going to fix stuff, right? We're going to break we're going to break the rules. We're going to do everything you didn't um, because we want to change. We want to change society." Um, I think Generation Z has this really big not righteousness, but like we want to have a purpose and we want to help people. I think that's what it comes down to the root of, you know, we want to help and we want to change. So we're going to change society. Well, the the anticipation for you all to do that. And, you know, there's, I think a lot of Gen X is hoping that that, uh, you guys could uh, help out because it just seems like the millennials are lost. And I say that in a lovingly way, but that's, I guess and that part of me is like, yeah, that's what the the old Gen X guy has to say about these crazy millennials. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like I can only deal with, you know, what I deal with on a daily basis and, and focus on um, what makes me happy. And and and, uh, and it's, it's I love each week when we have a new group of, of guys come through. Uh, we usually do it. It's about eight people come through the class. It's a week long uh, class, and it's such an eclectic group. Um, and they all bond over this awkward social thing. But <laughs> you know, I've seen I've seen everyone be able to blast. And um, I'm always excited when I the really young people when I do get to work with the Gen Xers. The, they just seem more gung-ho and amped up than millennials. That's been my personal experience. Why do you think that is? You know, I don't know. I I think maybe it's it's, uh, the too cool for school is a leftover from from Gen X that millennials picked up. But the Generation Z, everyone's just like fired up and they're super excited and they're practically bouncing off the walls where the, the millennials are like, just get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's, oh, I haven't seen that parallel yet. That's kind of funny. The energy well, and exuberance, yeah. It, it's anecdotal. It's just from my experience, but that's what I've seen. So. All right, well, you know, I'm only, I'm I'm a young and I haven't experienced life as, and I haven't experienced people as much as you have. And, you know, speaking of people, I wanted to, I really wanted to ask you, and this is probably one of the most common questions you get, but I'm still going to ask anyway. Um, you get to talk to so many people from so many different places. How do you, how do you always start these conversations with anybody and keep them going really well? You know, uh, <clears throat> well, first of all, I'm going to, I love using open-ended questions and I want to take interest in other people because how they ended up where they're, where they're at is a great story. And you're going to learn something. Now, I'm certainly not going to, there's this old, like, hippie idea that everyone has something special to offer. Yeah, I don't know if that's so true or not. However, everyone does have a story, mm. and I'd like to know what that story is, because there's certainly some people who are just not going to add anything of value 
to the world around them. In fact, they're going to want to burn it down. However, there's a reason why they want to burn it down. And, and that's where that's where the interest lies. So it's the story of how they got to where they are. And so for myself, it's to be able to feel comfortable in, in sharing myself and as, as an opportunity for them to feel that they're going to have to share now. No, I, I totally agree because I think and I think I've talked about this before once or twice, but there is so much power in being vulnerable, even vulnerability of like, here's my life. Here's what's going on with me. Now open up to me. Now tell me what you're doing. Well, vulnerability. I don't, are you familiar with Brene Brown? She's a vulnerability researcher. Her no. book, Daring, uh, yeah, her book, Daring Greatly is uh, fantastic. And she's a vulnerability researcher and <clears throat> she's just wonderful. But she, she lays out a wonderful argument of how vulnerability is the one thing that allows us to be able to connect with each other. And a lot of people get stuck in the idea that I need to find some commonalities to be able to connect with people. And that's not where the connection is. It's about being vulnerable, being expressive, opening yourself up. If I am able to do that, you're going to feel the need you're going to feel compelled to open up as well. So, as, but if you go into a conversation trying to figure out a way to connect because you're trying to look for commonalities or whatnot, you're missing the, the you're missing the main point and, and, it, and it makes it difficult. So, and the other thing is, you know, even at your young age, you've had your vulnerability used against you at one time or another. And so it doesn't take very many times for you to lock that vulnerability up and, and not want to expose it again. However, if I surround myself by high value people, they're gonna encourage vulnerability because they wanna connect, they wanna help me, they want, they want help in their lives. How, but if I surround myself with low value people, they themselves in turn are gonna wanna seek out my vulnerability as well because they're gonna to wanna to use it against me to allow themselves to feel better. So you, if, if you've had your vulnerability used against you, you have to look at what your social circle that you're the ar architect of, what it looks like, and, and, and who are those people that you uh, put in there because it's very well possible that the reason you don't feel comfortable opening up is because of uh, the social circle that you've constructed for yourself. When you've gone through the work of cleaning out and building a social circle that is of like-minded, high-value individuals, you will be amazed about how easy it is to become vulnerable again. And so when it comes back to the Art of Charm classes, the first thing we have people do is look at the social circle they've constructed for themselves. If it's not a place that they feel safe in, then there's people that they need to get rid of. And the other thing is, you can't bring in new high value people into that social circle till you've cleaned house of the low value people. Oh, definitely. Because you like, oh, what's the expression? You know, one bad apple rots the whole bunch. Of course, absolutely. And so when you bring together all those 
like amazing people, you're going to bring yourself up and be amazing. And the bad yeah. thing I think is like a lot of people have to deal with cleaning out, which is the difficult part because you're going to feel a lot worse when somehow in some way all your friends are gone. Well, that's that's the scary part because the we need other people in our lives. So it's even though, and that's what we hold on to to people that are not good for us because without them we wouldn't have anybody. However, you can't bring in new high value people without cleaning house. So you have to make that leap of faith. Yeah, but then you also have to attract those people. So like. I guess another question would be like, how do you build a great reputation or a great name for yourself so you start attracting um, high value people? Well, this is where the whole idea of being a high value individual comes from. So you want to go out into the world and give. You want you want to allow others, people around you, to feel good about themselves. When you're able to do that, people will look in turn to be able to do that for you. But here's the thing, if you're surrounded by low value people, they're going to continue to take and take and take and take, and you're going to feel as if you're not getting anything in return. Well, of course not, because you're surrounded by low value people. So it's about cleaning house, then going out into the world, giving, and then, and by leaving, you are going to find new high value people being attracted like a magnet to you. Oh, I never thought about, you know what? That doesn't make a lot of sense because especially in, in now, because I've just entered this um, business entrepreneurship world in networking too. And a lot of people um, have told me, you, you got to give, you just got to keep on giving. Yes. And that's where uh, uh, older people have a tendency to become jaded or bitter over time. And that's that's why they've been worked over by low value people. So you get to a point where you get tired of giving because you feel that you're just spinning your wheels. You're not getting anything in return. And it's not only that you're just getting uh, just low value behavior in turn. And in fact, you're and your vulnerability used against you. However, and that's what makes all this difficult. It makes it scary. But if you allow yourself the opportunity to, to start over and erase all those past experiences and start looking at the people that you're putting in your life, you are able to curate a wonderful world for yourself. And and, he, and I also said this on the value episode of Toolbox. I feel bad for people who, who it's, well, it's hard for you to truly know what your full potential is if you're surrounded by low value people. They're not going to lift you up. And, the, and you have no idea what you truly are capable of until you're surrounded by high value individuals who are pushing you to your, to your best. And once you see what that is, well, there's no way I'm going back. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. I totally resonate with that, especially like um, coming, like just moving, moving from where I was to where I am now. I talked to friends back at, you know, where I used to live and they go, Ava, things aren't, things aren't too good. You know, I don't want to give explicit details, but things aren't too good. And I look at the, not all, I look at some of the friends I had and they're in really bad situations. And I look at where I am now and who I'm friends with and 
man, there's a difference. There was a change of self in me. There's a change of, you know, these people developing alongside me and it's all been for the best. It's because we have pushed each other. We've used each other's strengths to both people's benefit um, so we can accomplish more and accomplish better. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's one of those things that allow your life to be where, where you're excited about waking up every day. Excited about waking up every day. You're gonna make your. You're gonna clean up your room. Uh, you're gonna get to the gym. You're gonna get fired up. You're gonna have a smile on your face every day. But if you know that tomorrow is just gonna be another shit day, like it was today, like it has been for the last few months, well, you know this is why people find themselves in hard depression. Hmm. No, and I totally understand. No, I. You know, we've we. Oh people in general getting into those ruts it's always the small consistencies that build up over time and then create that disaster of a mentality well absolutely and that's you know this is why i was so shocked by your age because being as young as you are it's hard to see those things add up because they really haven't added up yet when you're <laughs> You get in your later twenties. You put on you put on a lot of years of of tiny little habits. Like every time that you're doing something, you're wiring your brain. It's called neuroplasticity. And so if you think in a certain manner for ten years, that's ten years of training your brain to think in a certain manner. In order for you to be able to stop that, it's going to take a large amount of work. And that's so. Let's say that this person is forty years old. That's Four decades of thinking in a certain manner, oh. and that's and it's and make and it's extremely difficult to change eating habits, sleeping habits, thought, uh, cognitive processes. I mean, all of these things are habits that are are getting built and wired up. And what's but this is what's so fun about self development is you can if you're able to see the small wins. And consciously be able to choose to change some of these things, you are you're basically rewiring your brain, and it's an amazing process. And it can be, and this is why the people who do get so do get self development, why they just love it, and they just they just consume all of it because it's so much. Uh, I, I and it, it took me uh, just trying to fix some of my own. Bad habits and things that I realized just how much fun all this was, and how and then it's like once you admit to yourself that there's things that could be fixed, well, then you open the door to new ideas and new things that could be fixed. It's, it's so much fun. Oh, absolutely, and I, I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy the brain and. Oh my gosh, because I, I think I had, I had a guest on, Neil Falora, he talked about rewiring the brain and how, yeah, you do train your brain to think a certain way, but you can reverse it and you can change it. And you're so much more malleable than you think. Oh, it's just yeah. incredible. And it, it, there is work involved, but, you know, like, so is going to the gym. And I know that in order for me to think uh, the, in the best manner, to be at the top of my game mentally, I know mm -hmm. that I have to go to the gym. Oh, definitely. And, and, and that's enough for me to want to go to the gym. And of course, you know, as being for as old as I am, 
I, I, I have to go to the gym on just basic maintenance and keep up anyway. <laughs> so I, I, and I'm willing to do that work because of how much uh, love that I have for myself. And not only that, for the, the high value people in my life, if, if I let myself go or I don't, I don't, I stop going to the gym. I mean, my friends are going to ask me, what is wrong? Is everything okay? Do I need help with something? Like, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an indicator of, of, of loving them. And the fact that you have that as a standard is phenomenal. And I hate, I hate to stop this recording, but you know, we're running out of time. So where can everyone find Art of Charm and where can everyone find you? <laughs> well, I'm uh, the All of our programs and everything is there. Our podcasts are on iTunes and AJ and I will re-release uh, new podcast every week. I believe we just did the last one was Brutal Truths of Life, which is the latest podcast that just dropped, and it's performing incredibly well. So I don't know what it was about the topic, but it just seemed to resonate with a lot of people. And uh, uh, yeah, and then of course, The Art of Charm, our YouTube channel is going to be dropping soon, so you'll be able to see uh, us doing some crazy behind the scenes of our programs. Uh, we'll have our live airing of the, the podcast on there and as well as some skits and some short form content that we wanted to have some fun with all right well thank you for letting the audience know i hope everyone goes checks um sorry i hope i hope the whole audience checks it all out and once again thank you so much for being on thank you very much ava it was very nice to talk to you uh, and well, i'm sure we'll cross paths again sometime Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you like what we're doing, please help us grow by sharing our content. And if you have any recommendation for future guests, please email me at agwetrick at gmail.com.